In the meantime, there are some dueling forecasts about the economic impact of President Biden's infrastructure plan and the key differences that lead some to predict it will grow the economy and others that it won't. In our last episode, we discussed the contents of the infamous $2 trillion infrastructure plan and which parts of it we care about most. Transportation, sustainability, manufacturing semis, and broadband investments. Certain industries are in for a jolt. Industrials, materials, energy, utilities, and even communication services. But today, we're going to talk about the harder questions about this bill. Does infrastructure spending work? Well, what's your view about how it would affect, uh, for example, GDP or job growth? We do think this could increase GDP by about a half point in 2022. So several hundred thousand jobs per year on a rolling eight-year program. Economists are divided on this topic. Moody sees by 2030 the level of GDP 3.3% higher. Penn Wharton by 2031 says it'll be down 0.9%. Moody sees a meaningful increase in growth, millions more jobs and higher wages, as well as higher productivity. The Penn Wharton model forecasts a decline in growth and fewer hours work. Here's the difference is how their models treat big economic ideas like the effect of higher corporate taxes and the impact of government investment on the economy. How much are taxes going to increase and who is it for? I mean, the key for this bill and its impact on the economy is how much are we spending versus how much in taxes are we increasing to pay for that spending? What is it going to do for unemployment? We've made tremendous strides since the beginning stages of the pandemic when unemployment rose to 14.7%. Right now, Kelly, it's around 6%. And perhaps with the passage of some form of an infrastructure spending bill, we'll get that unemployment rate down to 4.5% by the end of this year but that can't be done at the detriment of economic growth. So we really have to counterbalance the need to put America back to work again with not taxing too high. If you're curious about what the infrastructure spending might do for the United States economy, and if you're worried about tax hikes, stick around to see where your tax dollars are going. And we have to counterbalance the need to put America back to work again, the need to repair our infrastructure in our country with the need to also grow our economy. At the heart of an infrastructure spending mill is putting America back to work again. Welcome to THC, where we unpack the ever-changing technology economy. Hang out with Jed, Shicker, and Adrian as we tackle the industries of tomorrow. This is Things Have Changed. Now, uh, we mentioned a lot about manufacturing and infrastructure moving out to out from the developing countries to Asia, and that has resulted in their, their boom, basically, over the past 20 years, which, which basically shows why the need for infrastructure cannot be understated, right? Would we have ever seen China grow this fast and become a world leader in 20 years if Apple wasn't building a billion iPhones out there? You pick up any product gadget on your table, it's made in Japan, made in China, made in Korea, right? And so they have figured out how to build things. And now to build things, your government has to set up an infrastructure that you can build on, right? So say you're building a tech company well, you need internet, you need broadband, you need electricity, you need running water, you need all of the requirements, basic needs, and some more to actually build on top of that. 
So it attracts capital. Having good infrastructure attracts capital. And one example we were talking just before we got on the call was Singapore. Like Singapore, you know, it did start off with a good base when the British left them. But they literally went from a small city in Asia to the center of startups, finance, and manufacturing in Asia outside of China, which is a huge, huge deal. 90% of uh, households in Singapore have access to internet, which is one of the highest rates out there for a city. So they really leaned into this infrastructure play to attract capital and get the big companies, big digital companies to set up shop there and set up research facilities out there. Um, so investment in infrastructure has a lot of flywheel effects where, you know, there's a study from the World Bank where 10% increase in broadband penetration resulted in a 1.4% increase in your GDP in developing countries, middle-income uh, countries and low-income countries from 2000 to 2006. So that might have changed, but not not drastically. I mean... Like, there's a huge play because now with everything digital, right, we spoke about this a lot, you're, you're working from home, you're studying from home. If you have broadband penetration, if you actually have access to internet where you live, like in a remote area out there, like you still can play the same game that others are playing in big cities now, thanks to the internet. So it's become super important to actually set up a good foundation. Um, so that is with regards to the facilities. Now, when we, we spoke about how investment, um, in infrastructure is a way of getting people, is a way for the government to get people to work, put them to work. What does that mean? Jobs, jobs and more jobs. So because of pandemic, you lost so many jobs. Like, I think, what's the number? It's still like 8 million jobs that have still not recovered since yeah so still 8 million jobs that hasn't recovered since covid started which was a year and a half ago right so you want to get people those people to actually contribute and stimulate the economy further and how does that happen well you build a road now the government has companies um that they select to build that. Now those companies need to hire folks that have the right skills to build that road. And then they take out loans to fund this process. So there's a lot of motion that is brought in a stalling economy when you fund these projects, which kind of what happened in China and what happened in Japan with those bullet trains and South Korea as well. It's just a domino effect. And more jobs means more employees with income, more spending, more tax income, and the cycle goes on. So how are we going to pay for this, guys? I mean, $2 trillion. We, we've already spent, what, $7, $8 trillion, uh, to date since uh, the start. So, you know, money doesn't come out of thin like air. Like we care. I or, guess or, it, it does. Or, or does it? It does. <laughs> it does. Just rains, rains in our, on our lawns. <laughs> My investments shows me how money comes and goes out of thin air. Yeah, I mean, if if we were just to think about, you know, how do we usually pay for government spending? What is it? Like tell me right now. What do you th how do you think we pay for government spending? The money goes the money machine goes burr. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> fuck is wrong with you? It's it's taxes, bro. Come on. <laughs> That's how we do. So the typical, you know, the, the typical explanation for these things when people go like, oh, how are we going to pay for this these bills or whatever, right? The fear that people usually have, especially people um, in massive corporations, right, is that we're going to raise taxes. And, you know, to, to put it simply, it's true. That's exactly how we're going to pay for this infrastructure bill. That's the way the government makes money. It's tax revenue, right? So I think um, what they've decided to include as uh, as pieces of, of tax law that's going to be like not necessarily revolutionary, but pretty obvious ways of, of how to make money. The very first thing you're, you're going to think about is is corporate taxes, right? Make the big corporations pay for it. Make Amazon pay for it. Apple, Facebook, these massive companies that make large profits. We're going to make them pay for it. So, you know, we're going to raise the... This bill would force us to raise the corporate income tax rate from 21% to 28%, right? If you think about it, like, that's not so revolutionary. That's not crazy. Prior to to um, the previous administration's cuts on taxes, we've had corporate income taxes of, of up to 35%. So this is not such a big deal, right? fact it's it's not even as much as 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 it was prior to to this administration so i don't think that's a huge piece but that will help pay for it isn't it weird that we aren't really hearing corporations like say a whole lot that that is yeah right the corporations are literally not saying anything why because this benefits them the second they announced the infrastructure bill, all everyone were like up in arms. Hey, corporates are, corporations are going to not like this. That's They're going the to stop funding you. And then Jeff Bezos sends a letter. Oh, we are down, <laughs> baby. Why? Because if infrastructure means more people accessing internet, means more people on Prime and more people buying from us, you know, it's great for them. It's great. Actually, like... When you put it that way, it's like uh, they're investing so much in broadband. Well... Who's the who, which tech company is going to get the account? Government's not going to do it themselves, so yeah, they're going to outsource. It's AWS, <laughs> it's Amazon, Microsoft, Apple, AirPods. That's you know, it's ultimately going to come there. You know, so like if the whole economy is digital, infrastructure is going to help the construction companies, which have really lagged over the last few years, and the tech companies because hey, it's tech, right? So, yeah. So it, in in the coming years, you know, in the past we've seen defense uh companies have uh accounts you know uh with governments you know 50 billion dollars to develop a new jet the f-35 or something or some new technology for weapons now we're pivoting into a, a, a time when we're starting to see the government now create have accounts with tech companies to create infrastructure it, it's it's a shift that we're seeing because you know no at least in the U.S., we don't have any wars going on. We, there are wars going out outside of the U.S., but not that directly affects dude, uh, the citizens here. You think uh, a smart dude from MIT is going to choose DARPA, which pays $80,000, or Google, that pays $250,000 with a million dollars in stock? Literally, like the, the high end of AI, cutting-edge technologies, they are giving million-dollar salaries to an engineer out of school. So the government needs these big companies, which is the big issue that we're seeing right now. Yeah. 
That's interesting. That that's interesting insight. Like I, I never thought about you know who would actually benefit from tax revenues. Uh, you know, government increasing yeah. taxes and everything. Like I didn't think about that. The old economies though will will not. Sorry, the the oil industry. You know, all these other industries that are are dying. <laughs> who cares about them, bro? That they still have lobbying power, though, right? <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah. Power, so I, I can imagine. That's the, there's the no money there. That's the problem, because like the tech companies have. I think five times more lobbyists in Washington than the Washington Post has journalists. 100%. Something like this. Yeah. It's like they have like ten thousand people sitting in Washington just lobbying the government. Like oil, like oil is gone. Yeah, this is the new economy. The ex- this is the new economy. Exxon's giving like twenty percent dividends. Still, no one's buying them, dude. <laughs> so sad. Twenty. You can't even get shit. But that's interesting. You know. Okay, so. Corporate income tax, a huge piece, obviously. This will be a huge piece, uh, piece of contention mostly for, for companies. But there's other ways that they, they plan to make money off, off this bill, right? One, one interesting concept that it's not new, this uh, concept of a global minimum tax, right? So th- this global minimum tax essentially says that, you know, you hear about it all the time. Corporations usually use offshore accounts, right? So that they don't, they don't have to pay too much income, um, or income tax on on their profits if they put it at a specific place, right? You hear about Cayman Islands, you hear about all this shit that um, have really, really low income tax. If you're listed in the US, you would have to play, pay a, a global minimum tax, which they're trying to put up to 21%. They, actually, the previous administration tried this as well. They put it at 10%. This global minimum tax is for just companies, right? Corporations. If you look at the tax proposals that has come out from this to be able to pay for for this massive um, infrastructure bill, right? First of all, everybody's commenting on how their own personal taxes will rise, which may materialize sometime in the future. But the bill only talks about how the tax burden will be shifted to corporations, right? Make the corporations pay for it. That's what we were saying earlier on in the call is that – the Biden administration is really stressing that all of the, the tax burden that will come from this um, infrastructure bill will only be passed on to corporations. That's why you see when you look up the, the infrastructure bill yourself that um, they're only stressing how much they will increase corporate income tax, how much the global minimum uh, income tax will be, how much they're going to shift uh, the incentive from from um, sheltering your profits in, in offshore companies to you know putting it into the United States and, and paying your fair share of taxes. Basically, what they're saying in this bill is that the corporations make enough money to be taxed to be able to pay for this infrastructure bill. So that's the, in theory, that's what they're trying to do. But who knows if the tax burden will be shifted to the people at, at some point in the future. Right now, what they're saying in the bill is that only corporations will pay. So lately, I think we've talked about the contents of the infrastructure bill and uh, which portions of the economy are going to benefit the most. And uh, we also talked about the rise in corporate income tax and all the other taxes that they're um, using to to justify this $2 trillion. But I think the larger question we all have is, uh, is this going to work? You know, we've seen fancy infrastructure plans in the past uh, become very re- revolutionary. Um, the railways and the transatlantic highways and, and whatnot have been revolutionary for America, um, being able to transport goods from coast to coast, right? So those are pretty huge shifts in, in infrastructure. 
Um, but the question at the back of our minds is, you know, is this two trillion dollars going to produce um, actually produce more jobs? Is it going to produce uh, the infrastructure that we need in order to um, increase productivity? Um, what are the possibilities of this becoming a success? Um, now, we've talked a lot about how other countries have, have benefited from infrastructure like like Singapore, um, like China in, in, uh, earlier in, in the, the show. But now we take a look into what is the possibility of this uh, American jobs plan um, becoming successful. So I, I think a good way to, to look at this is to go back to the past and, and check out you know, in the field of economics, what has historically happened with infrastructure? So I think one cool use case is um, in 1964, a uh, Nobel Prize winning economist, um, Robert Fogel, I think was his name. He argued that um, the social savings generated by railways or, uh, you know, the the contribution to economic growth relative to, to canals and, and whatnot were pretty modest. So he estimated about uh, 3% of annual output in 1890. The contribution of the railways during that time um, to economic output was was about 3%, right? And so, you know, that one use case about railways is, is pretty, um, it's pretty revolutionary, right? Because you think about it, railways in itself, um, in the United States allowed for companies to uh, send their products to much further places than they were able to with, you know, horses and, and other types of uh, transportation, right? That offered um, social savings of having to hire, you know, multiple horses or multiple caravans to be able to transfer from one place to another. So that that's pretty revolutionary, right? Today, when we think about roads and, and bridges, if you just try to visualize how much how much better it would be or how much uh, productivity there would be from from adding a, a road or, or a bridge somewhere, it might not be as drastic, right? Because we do have roads, we do have bridges, uh, we have different ways now to get products across the country. But uh, this is still arguably going to be a smaller effect than, you know, obviously the first railways and the first roads that were created, right? So Fogel wasn't the only economist that concluded that um, infrastructure spending can lead to output and, and productivity growth, right? So uh, a, a few other economists um, who talked about more recent investments, for example, uh, John Fernald of the Federal Reserve Bank of, of San Francisco, he was an economic senior economic advisor there, um, and he studied uh, post-World War II road building. Um, and how that investment led to uh, to economic output growth, right? So he assessed that these investments contributed about one percentage point more to, to productivity growth across the economy. Um, and then a more recent example, Valerie um, Ramey of, of UCSD, University of California, San Diego, arrives at a, pr a pretty similar conclusion, right? She estimates that about a 1% increase in the stock of, of public capital is associated with a rise of output, rise in output of about 0.33%. So we see a few economists um, pretty much saying that 
infrastructure spending will lead to an increase in in um, output and productivity growth. So what, what does that really mean, right? They've concluded that we can transfer goods around better with better roads. Uh, we'll have a more efficient market. Uh, people will have to spend less money on on spending on gas and on other sorts of resources to um, get their products across the country. Right. And then if we're thinking about the use case today, which is this infrastructure bill with, will give broadband access to a large part um, of the population that doesn't have access to the Internet, that could also mean more participants in the market, more um, people learning. Right. So we can think about human capital and that growing because of the access to Internet. And it may be easier for some communities of color and communities that were historically left out of the productivity growth of the United States to be able to actually participate in what we've built in this in this country. With regards to climate change, something that uh, previous bills hasn't haven't really addressed is the economic cost of climate change, which we're going to do an episode on here. Uh, things have changed at one point. Um, that economic cost of, of climate change hasn't really been included in the models when we talk about if this is going to be a successful bill or not. And, you know, that's one piece where we can confidently say, at least if we're thinking about putting more electric cars on the road and um, fixing infrastructure for sustainability and and trying to get to a place where um, we're making sure that this is top of our priority when we build things, right? Um, then we could possibly reduce the economic cost of, of climate change, right? If we actively reduce the carbon emissions that we emit as a country with infrastructure projects, which seems rather counterintuitive, but this is more for, for future um, generations, right? To experience the fact that we'll create more charging stations, for example, will make it easier for companies to um, or for consumers to switch to electric vehicles, um, which way may make way for uh, companies to also be able to to build more economies of scale around building, you know, electric vehicles. You know, maybe if there's enough attention, if there's enough infrastructure for it, we're able to find those technologies that can make it easier for us to build those vehicles with less carbon emissions. So long story short, obviously, we, we don't have the answer for you if this infrastructure bill is going to work or not. But History is on our side if this bill does pass and, and we have investments uh, into these kinds of, of infrastructure. Whatever transpires, we know that we are overdue for infrastructure spending. And we know that uh, certain portions of the United States need help building infrastructure that will cause a boom um, and for these communities to be able to share in the prosperity that the rest of the United States is enjoying. Thanks for listening to us critique what uh, might be our generation's biggest infrastructure spending bill. We hope that you take the time to assess how this bill is going to affect you and how you may inform your decisions um, when thinking about what the future will hold. Hey, thanks so much for listening to our show this week. You could subscribe to us. And if you're feeling generous, well, you could even leave us a review. Trust me, it goes a long, long way. You could also follow THC at THC underscore pod on Twitter and LinkedIn. This is Things Have Changed. Things Have Changed.